Yes, 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 y'all. Man, let me tell you something. Shouts to everybody who checked out last week's episode with the one and only Lord Finesse. Lord Finesse, listen, I feel like I could do an episode, a part two with him because just so much history in this thing of ours called hip-hop. So if you didn't check out that episode with Lord Finesse, put that on your to-do list and tell a friend to tell a friend. You know I say it every week, and for those who are just listening, welcome. For those that have been day one, I appreciate y'all. For those who, however, whatever episode you came in, I appreciate y'all too. But I love when people check in, okay? So open your Twitter app, open your Instagram app, open whatever, at me, Premium Pete, at the Premium Pete Show, and, and check in. Or should I say, check the fuck in. Let me know where you're listening from. Let me know what episode you listen to. And and don't ever be afraid to just hit me up. I, I'm never. I hate. I hate like uh, dudes who like want to put themselves out there, but don't don't want people to hit them up. Nah, that'll never be me. If you're going through something with your, you know, with your significant other, if you got a podcast, if if, if you know you want to talk about sneakers, you want to talk about whatever, hit me up at Premium P at the Premium P Show. But most importantly. Check the fucking shouts. We're, I, I'm not going to even mention all the check-ins because it's international. It's, it's in the States. It's worldwide. And I'm super thankful each and every week that one thing I really love, too, is that I've seen a couple of comments that people are like, Dan, you never know who's going to be on the Premium Pete show. And I mean, that shit means a lot to me because that's how I try to put it out there. Artist, athlete, entrepreneur, maybe a writer, you know, an actor. You never know who, okay? And one thing I do want to say is, keep in mind, never ever just see the headline of a podcast and think that's automatically going to be uh, the episode to listen to. I want to be that podcast that puts you on to people that you may not know, okay? So don't do that. And I'll get more to, into that in a second. But I do want to say, internet, as a parent, my fellow parents out there, my fellow moms, fellow dads, um... You have a stepson, a niece, a cousin, or whatever. I'm very thankful. Uh, I think I shed some happy tears uh, yesterday. My daughter's high school prom. You know, it was a very special moment. And, and I always say this, but it's so cliche that time flies. But trust me, it does. So embrace and value and cherish every moment you have with your family, with your kids. Because, you know, you hold that little kid and next thing you know... You're walking them off to college, and that's the road that I'm about to be upon. And I'm thankful, and I'm blessed. And I'm learning, too, as a parent. There's new chapters in everything. Sometimes I used to say, oh, man, I'm losing my little girl. You're not losing your little girl or your little boy. What they're doing is the next chapter is beginning. And I'm so thankful. And even though I was like, yo, I may have to get the shotgun for the prom yesterday, but I didn't have to get it into this. I didn't have to get it. But thank you also, and that's another thing. We talk about, like, social being so much hate, man. Nah, man. You know, people hate once in a while, man. That's just going to be expected. But thank you for all the love. The love for my family. The love for my daughter. The love for everything I do. And I, and, and that, that has a lot to do with just be giving that out. And I want to continue to give that out, and I appreciate it coming back to me. And it also has to do a lot with having a team, and having a team of people that believe in what you're doing, whether that be an audience, whether that be the team that, that that you work with. And I will say this, people ask me all the time, like, how do you how do you work with somebody? How do you get get on? Or how do you how could I do this? And and I always say, like, yo, 
Stop looking at social media to think that you have to see success first. The grind is really the bridge to success. The grind is really the bridge to success. I can't I can't even say that shit any stronger. Don't be afraid to intern if you're young and, and, and want to learn. Shit, if you're older and want to get into a, 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 um, a certain type of, uh, you know, whether that be like learning to play the piano or, or learning to be an electrician, don't be afraid to learn and soak up. And don't be afraid to get into an industry or around a bunch of people and, and showcase your talent. But that's the thing. Make yourself seen. So many people want to say, like, oh, I want the check. If you're young and you're involved in something that may not even be to that, uh, uh, you know, like there may not be a big check there. Or you may not be, uh, um, you may not be worthy of the check because they don't know who you are. Make yourself seen. Take the meeting. Take the call. Shoot an email over to somebody. Shoot a DM. Try to learn as you continue to earn your your knowledge, your talent, and, and perfect your craft, man. I mean, there's nothing wrong with perfecting your craft. But I will say this. Don't look at internship as only like something that you don't want to do. Look at it as, as a time to build your craft, to perfect your craft. Look at it as a time to really take your shit to the next level, build your resume. But more importantly, and the most important thing I'll ever tell you, is to build your relationships. The relationships you have, if they're real and organic, could last forever. And you never know when you need that certain relationship. Internet, let me tell you something. As we get to this week's episode, what I was saying before, this is one of those episodes. Do not look at this episode and say, Jamie Jones, who the fuck is that? Press play and listen. This episode is inspiring. Okay, a guy who was selling weed in Sacramento and had a mindset like, yo, what am I going to do? Am I going to sell weed forever and get knocked? Winds up turning around, going to L.A., trying things, becoming a producer, becoming a director, trying to become a stand-up comedian. But more importantly, how fucking amazing is his journey that all these years later, when weed became legal in L.A., this motherfucker has an empire he has his own kind of Uber service, so to speak, that delivers weed all over, and they service and do crazy numbers. I mean, listen, the guy's a cannabis guru. The guy's an entrepreneur. And I really love bringing people like this on because it's not only what he's doing, it's what you could do, Internets. People like him, such a real dude, even like myself, if I could do something, he could do something, so could you. So I want you to press play, tell a friend to tell a friend, this episode is special. This is a real special guy, okay? Internet, get inspired. Learn these gems from the one and only Jamie Jones, cannabis guru, entrepreneur, producer, director. Man, a bunch of things on this week's episode of the Premium Pete Show. Let's get to it. Cheers. Come on, everybody, get set, let's go. It's the next episode. It's the Premium Pete Show. News, interviews, all of the info. Listen up, it's the Premium Pete Show. If you want to scoop in the low, down low. Listen to the show, cause Milk said so. Fuck what you heard, better act like you know. It's the Premium Pete Internet, Show. Internet, welcome back to another episode of the Premium Pete Show. Sitting here with a good brother, okay? Um, entrepreneur. 
mm-hmm. cannabis guru, mm-hmm. uh, somebody who uh, 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 knows how to make a deal. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I say that, we're going to get to that internet. Uh, director, right? True. Uh, what else besides director? I'm a producer. Producer. I mean, look, um, so, so many internets, okay? My guy Jamie Jones is in the building. Pete, what up? Listen, first of all, uh, thank you for um, just listening to, Stop to it, us Pete. from the beginning, man. Let's start. Thank you, my yeah. brother. Yeah. Um, let me let me start with that part. Sure. Um, I've been fucking with you a long time um, through Dallas, through podcasting. I'm a fan of podcasting in general. I became a fan of the Combat Jack show a long ass time ago mm. on the West Coast mm. um, during the Not Right. Yep. Blogging. Yep. I was a fan of the written word first. That's how I got on Dallas and Combat was the written word before even the show. Sure. So then the show comes out and you come on the show and you're like this wild card nigga. Like fucking <laughs> um he talk about prison a lot. Sure. He sure. talk about um redemption a lot. Sure, sure. Um but a live cat, still with still in the shit, moving. Um, found a lane for himself in sneakers. Mm. Um um but is working his own lane. Niggas on the West Coast don't even know what you're doing. Mm. Like, uh, but they see you moving. Like, and they see you in the sneaker culture. They think you're a sneaker god and like you got 20 stores and I don't know what you fully do in sneakers. But the character of Premium Pete um, was thorough, genuine, um, not afraid to be vulnerable. Sure. Not say, afraid to say what you don't know. And I fuck with niggas like that. Yeah, so yeah. thank you. Jamie, listen, um, for, that, I appreciate that may you. be the nicest thing anybody's ever said to me on this fucking <laughs> show, man. I appreciate you. And I'll tell you one thing. Dallas put me on to you. When I start to hear your story, it reminded me of a lot of people in this world today, but not where many people, people give up. Right. Okay? And there's so many things we could go over, but more particularly, even and I think people at the end of this episode will really understand that they're just they're just like Jamie Jones exactly and to never give up and um, I, what's of the, the people not above the people exactly like, what would you say of, of the people not above the people shit that's a gem right there and like, that's, um, you that's know a, like that's a gem right there um, <laughs> you grew up. In, in the I grew Bay up area? in a place called Sacramento, Cal- on the north side of Sacramento, called North Highlands, California. Mm-hmm. North Highlands, stand up. We're in the building. Um, yes, we're a town, a small town, north side, conservative. Uh, not San Francisco, not uh, Oakland. About an hour away from the Bay. Um, have our own style, um, but well, we when have you say no have your own style. What type of style? Back like then? it's a kind of a Bay style, but it's more of the gangster shit in it. Sure. Whereas the Bay was more of the pimping, cool sure. nigga style. Mm. We had more of the gangster culture in that, in as well, like mm. with the Crips and Bloods sure, and stuff. Sure, sure, gang Bay motherfucker. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, our neighborhood was Crips at the time. I ran. Um, I never was one, but I ran with them guys. I talked like that. Sure, sure. Because it was the lingo of my block. Is there a reason that you didn't want to be one or um my dad i had a father and mother in the house that's what i deduced later um because i kind of did want to be one Mm. i spoke like that we said what's up cuz we wear blue and not wear red Mm. i just didn't i wasn't jumped in and wasn't forced to do gangster shit Mm. anytime i got too close to that my pops would come pull me back out of that shit. Was your pops uh, involved in gangs? Or, no, or my just... pops was just like a strong black man, mm. but like an angry black man. Mm-hmm. Why do you think he was um, angry? Well, he came from, he was from Chicago. Okay. Or Hammond, Gary, Indiana, sure. right outside Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, one of the most segregated places on earth. Mm-hmm. You know, so he grew up in a time when 
fucking it was completely even more so than the south that area pocket area was very much so segregated everybody had their sure, place sure California, what did pops do? um he joined the military okay um to get up out of his situation he wanted to go to california and raise his kids mm. where he thought there wasn't the racism and what you call it he saw it on tv that this is just a place of everybody and mixed and like they're on the beach party and so he I, he wanted to get he named 10 places in the military when you could choose where you want to go all 10 of them were in california mm -hmm. he ended up in north highlands california at a place called mcclellan air force base um when i'm three years old my older brother's six um well, so what about mom mom's as well mom's thugged out to the core at this time mm -hmm. black power um really? yes mom's is the nicest lady in the world now uh what did my she mom's do back was then? the street nigga really? back then really? she had a son at 17 got pregnant at 16 had a son at 17 and another son at 20 her mother had her at 15 so her mother was a 31 year old grandma who had her like uh, so they were with the shit, shit. Um, my pops was an athlete um, three sport athlete high school but he had kids early so he had to get a job um, left became our coach my brother played pro. My older brother played pro football in Canada for 10 years. Really was nice. Was a quarterback. He's offensive coordinator for the Montreal Alouettes now. Um, was a quarterback from the time he was 7 to 35, uh, playing pro football, making millions. And um, So he, my, my pops was the catalyst for that. Nice, nice. Bobby Knight type. Shasta nice. Like, uh, I like that. Love hard, hate hard. Did you did you have a good relationship with pops? Or? I did. I loved him. Mm. I feared him a little bit. Mm. Why is that? Um, what what, made, what did he do that made you fear him? Um, he took no disrespect from anybody ever. Meaning a joke, a sly joke that you may let slide that someone says that's just off color. He got to ask you what you mean by that. Mm. Um my pops cussed out every fast food place in our city <laughs> for taking too long with the food, for what you would call it. He wasn't with the shit. Yes. But the cast that loved him, loved him hard because he mm. was father to all the guys who didn't have a dad in the neighborhood. He was our coach. Mm. He was cutting niggas' hair and cutting their numbers in their head. And he was a young dad, so he knew what sure. was going on. Sure. Um, he was just, he had this anger from how he came up. His pops was... Um, I had trouble with alcohol, sure, sure. Um, so he grew up in a rough environment, and, um, you know, he couldn't get this chip off his shoulder that, you know, and it hampered him sometimes in doing business and partnerships and things like that, uh, but I loved him. Like, uh, I, I, was, I was fearful sometimes because he could go hard, sure. but he never hit me for nothing. Sure. He, I fucked up if, he, if I got a whooping. Sure. It's because I was knowingly fucking up. Do you do you, you think know, that he tried to teach you to not have a chip on your shoulder? Yes. Do you, do you feel like yes. you ever had one? And your life? Um, my mom really was the catalyst for you guys can do any goddamn thing you want to do. Mm -hmm. You can be anything in this world. Just fucking go. You're dope. Like moms was that really? type of person. Nice. Like you guys are awesome. Uh, my pops was like, we're going to be the best if you're going to do it. You're my son. That was through sports as kids. Baseball, football, basketball. My brother was the older brother, so he... Was um it was more strict on him. You're gonna be my athlete. Mm. He was quarterback, two guard, shortstop, best positions on the court. You know, and best uh, and he was the best. Uh, he had to be, mm. like so. Pops was hard on him. Sure. I was three years behind. We're not gonna be as hard on Jamie. Mm. Let's let's kind of let Jamie go. Mm. 
So I'm on the sidelines looking in the stands like, what are them niggas doing out there? You know what I mean? They're kicking it. I, I didn't care like them. I didn't have that fire for sports. I had it more for creativity. Mm. I was trying to be a rapper in high school and all that shit. So, so it's funny you say that because that's where I was going. Like, you know, you wanted when you were young, you wanted to. Your first inkling is what to want to be a rapper, like yes, what sir. a gangster rapper. Yes, sir. Um, yes, sir. That's exactly what I wanted to be—a gangster rapper. How quickly did you did. realize that that wasn't what you were gonna do? Shit about two albums in and five years later so you like, made so you we made music that. actually i went to tower records and bought my own tape it really? fucking i was but we put it out ourselves sacramento has no industry mm. so there's no labels to call to do something if you want to make music you rent studio time at a place like this and you go make your record your shit you press up you find a, a, a graphic designer press up your artwork you go make your copies and you sell them you make consignment deals if you can't get a distribution deal we had companies like city hall who in northern california was distributing all the bay area 40 and all the bay area music they were a distribution company um and we had them but we delivered eight thousand copies on our own like going store to store signing consignment deals were you a group yes we were like a we were a crew of niggas like uh um, how, how we, many people was there was group? like six of us and total what was it called? um straight game entertainment was okay. the was the name of the album that we put out okay. so it was like a kind of like compilation master p was the it was hot this is 97 98 something like this 22 maybe i've been rapping since 17 and now i'm 22 23 24 at that um, time yes and what uh, were you talking about um selling weed mm-hmm. um like yeah that's what our neighborhood kind of thrived on was we're a weed capital of the world so that's kind of what well, street well, niggas is that, do is that true is that or is that something you're just no saying? that's 100 so explain true because i don't know what that um, even means sacramento from sacramento to humboldt okay uh a four-hour driving radius up the freeway um has the best climate altitude Exposure to sun, um, um, precipitation, rain, mm. um, to grow the best weed on earth, outdoor. How, how did you know about this? I, I'm from there. Okay. I'm, I grew up, so all my older peoples, we grew up in weed culture. Like, um, we knew. We've been spoiled breaths from the beginning. We take weed and take it to San Francisco and L.A. to market up and sell it because they pay so much higher than we do. So we were at a little gym, a little hub in the weed game. And now that it's become legal, we've become a known hub now for California. Even the big L.A. companies are moving up to second. We'll go back. but uh, No, I, in the beginning, I called you a cannabis guru. Yeah. And this is fucking part of the reason why. <laughs> okay, so you're rapping, you, re- you sell copies, yeah. but you realize, like, yo... I need to get my hustle on. Yeah. What made you sell weed? Is it because it was the capital and you had easy access to it? Yeah, it was a good job. So how'd you start off? Did you sell like them to I, somebody else? Yep, I got a... Um, um, I bought... like I used to steal weed from my parents. My oh, parents, parents smoked, smoked weed nice. on the couch my whole life. Nice. Never hid it from me or my brother. You ever smoke with your parents? Uh, yes. Okay. As a grown-up. Okay, okay. Not as a kid. Okay. Um, my brother never smoked weed in his life. Really? We grew up in the same house, same two parents. They smoked on the couch our whole life. He never smoked. I stole their roaches at 12 and walk into junior high. You say tomato, I say tomato. (laughs) Exactly. Um, We're best friends and complete opposites. So, uh, yes, so we 
Um, so, so how'd you get it would started? Start, I get front weed. with a, I get fronted with a half ounce. Okay. A bud of Bammer weed, Mexican dirt mm-hmm. weed, twenty five dollars a half ounce. You could turn that into four dime sacks, four dime ace for a ten dollars a piece, make forty bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, my friends were all standing there ready to buy it when I bought it, so I sold it all. I was like, okay. I need another one of those. Now I have a job. Like, because these four people knew that I had it and I just started through our friends. And it started out, your friends would come through with. One of my friends was a big, shout out to my nigga BP. He was a big our weed dealer in, in our immediate clique. He was the sure. king, he was the boss. I, I wasn't. Uh, um, he had it popping. He was buying a lot. Um, so he kind of just put us on. I would middleman off of him. He He had it. And my friends knew I'm with him. So, hey, has your man got it? Yeah, he got it. I put $50 on the thing, and I'm middlemanning stuff. Sure. That's really how it starts. And then you see how lucrative it can be, and you just start going there, and it, it sells itself when so, it's good. So was this high school days? This is, yes. I'm 18 when I start fin- s- smoking weed every day. It's probably selling. about 18, Th- which is 1992. Chronic, the album comes out in August of sure. 92. Sure. Um, August 92 or August 93. It was right that, so it was right around when it went from Nancy Reagan Say No to Drugs to The Chronic. Let's get high. You know mm. what I mean? Like, did you finish high school? I did. I graduated on time. Did you go to college? I did. I did two semesters at American River College selling more weed than I had credits. You, you know what's crazy? Mm-hmm. You, you went to college. You got a new, you got a, you got a, a new customer base. I did. Now, let me ask you something. I did. <laughs> you just mentioned you got front like a half ounce or an ounce. Yes, sir. How fast did it move up and how much were you making around the time, say, you went to college? How much are you making a day, um, if you had to say? At this time, I wasn't big. So $200, $100 a day mm-hmm. kept me cool because I didn't have much bills. Sure, sure. I didn't have a, my, my nut was low. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a strong mm-hmm. overhead. So, you know, then there'd be the day I'd make $400, $500. Mm. My problem was, as a youth, I didn't have no discipline with money. So a buck would come in. I could hustle my ass off, but I chased good times. So I'd spend it as fast sure, as it come sure, in. Of course, like anyone. So I put myself in so many quagmires. I'm I'm rich today and broke tomorrow. Sure. Like you know what I mean? Because I done hot August nights in Reno, and we went and I took it all and I lost it two days before rent. Like now I have nothing. You know what I mean? Like that, that's the I freelancer life before the freelancer. You know, it's yeah. like. You, you know, you could be rich today. You could be broke tomorrow. Right. Okay, so fast forward. You're 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 out of college, or even you, yeah, you, I leave that. <laughs> you're, you're still hustling. Yes, sir. What would you say is the high point of you hustling? And besides, not only what would be the high point, how involved were you in it? Were you the high point your own would shit? probably be 2001. Okay. Um, before this is pre. This is illegal weed selling pre-legal weed yeah. nowadays. This mm-hmm. is back in the day what you're talking Which about. Which is why I love it, your story. What you're talking and about. And, and, and we'll get to that. Um, one month after 9-11, mm. my cousin AJ, shout out to AJ, lives in Quorum, Rocky Point, exit 63 off the LIE up mm. there in God, Long Island. God, it's fucking deep. Um, calls me and says, the borders are shut down. The price of weed has quadrupled in this town. If you can get some Reggie here, it's going for $2,600 a pound right now. Reggie in Sacramento 
was $400 a pound for green looking, not even the Mexican brick sure, shit, sure. for green looking regular Should that wheat. put you to sleep? Exactly. Um, so me and my boy Dustin, who's Evans of the Evans and Jones on the bottle I uh, showed you earlier, my cannabis mixer, which we'll talk about, yep, sure. uh, my partner, best friend of 30 years, me and him drove um, 40 pounds. We we took every dollar we had and bought, I moved out of an apartment and took every dollar and bought 40 pounds of pot and we put it in a U-Haul truck and drove 47 hours, Highway 80, the whole way, not Fuck. a single freeway, from Sacramento, California, to New York City. We drove 40 pounds trying to get to Long Island to my cousin um, to to get busy. Were you guys worried about if you would see a cop or get pulled over? Yes, but we didn't see a cop. We didn't see a cop until we got into New York City. This is one month after 9-11. Every tunnel and bridge... National Guard is on every tunnel sure, and bridge sure. with an M16 machine gun sure. and fatigues. Trucks go over to the side to get opened. Cars go through the tunnel or bridge. I'm in a U-Haul truck. <laughs> I got two tunnels to get to. I got two bridges to get to fucking Long Island. Fuck. This dude pulls us over to the side. So I, I emptied an apartment. So I had a couch about the size of this one, a love seat. Sure. I had a chair and some um, boxes with glasses and shit. And under those glasses was 40 pounds of pot in, uh, in all those boxes. And damn near in bricks. Like it was back. Sure. It was Reggie. Sure. Um, so he says, pull over. And I'm like, oh, so there's hot ends, huh? I make it all the way into this bitch. I get a, I get an hour from my nigga's crib, and this is how it is. I go to Rikers. Okay. So we jump out of the car. Luckily, Dustin is a real nerdy-looking white boy, like 5'3", glasses, mm. like really square, with the shit, but square-looking. Sure, sure, of course. Um, so we weren't an era. They looked at us. Opened the back of the truck, took one step onto the bumper, looked in, saw furniture, closed it down and said, go ahead. And so we get back in the car and we're like, I think I just lost four years of my life. I'm going to die four years earlier because of that moment right there. And we come and I'm on the Thomas guy, this pre-entered smartphone. I got a Thomas guy trying to get to my cousin's house. Anybody knows about Thomas guy? You're looking at G7 sure, sure. and trying to map it out. And we got another bridge to go through. So we got to do the exact same thing um, again. And the guy did the exact same routine with his dog and what you call it. We had them vacuum sealed though and stuff like that. So, and then yes, yeah, so that was probably the. So you go do. I it. stay here in New York for probably it was my first time ever in New York, and I stayed here about a month, knocking all that weed. So you um, sold that all the whole. 40 we sold pounds. all that, and that put me on back getting home. It was like it was kind of a get me in the game. Like I came home as I left uh, with all of it in a jar, and I came back accomplished we we accomplished stacks the goal on stacks on we stacks. did it we were all right so so you make it all the way back home did yes, you fly so home or you just drove i flew home. home okay flew home we took a one-way u-haul look at you fucking that we dropped off and i cashed stayed. up like a motherfucker i did i mailed some money home first mm. to my old lady mm. and then um and then i brought the rest in my pocket um yeah. on the plane so here you are um, jamie jones comes back home Mm -hmm. Into the epicenter of weed at the time, right. Sacramento. Who the fuck right. known? I wouldn't have known. Mm -hmm. What are you doing now? So now I'm in Sac. I'm selling more. I'm um, just selling weed, living. 
I got my old lady. We've just been together a few years. Are you your own guy? You're not You're not doing, obviously, half ounces anymore. No, no. I, I pay my own rent. I have a car. I'm, I'm, I'm making it just being a, 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 a weed dealer. Mm. Whatever um, happened with the, your cousin from Long Island? He didn't want no more? No. Mm-hmm. Our original plan was to do this show once a month. I know, right? <laughs> like, we're coming back once. After doing it and spending a whole month, yeah, it was yeah, like, yeah. that was a good play. Yeah. Let me go home and do my real job. You know what I mean? That's a lot of work. I'm not going to come here for a month at a time. And it was a good knock. And um, um, he did more after that. There was more work to be done. But I was like, whoa, that was a big undertaking. I was gone a whole goddamn month. Um, so, which... Of course, it would have sped up, but I just, um, I was trying to get more things going in SAC. I was looking for it. I was trying to be creative. And if it wasn't rapping, I was trying to open a club in SAC. I had a teenage nightclub after that. I came home and opened a nightclub for How'd teenagers. That work out? I was getting a thousand kids a night paying $10 in a gym. We had them on a basketball court. Mm. They didn't have nothing but the bowling alley and the movies. So you give them fucking some music, seemingly grown up environment, and they came and parents dropped off kids but it's nine o'clock and i'm looking at the clock i don't want to be here like this ain't fulfilling you know what i mean it's a pure money play and pure money plays don't sustain me that long i gotta kind of be passionate about if it's just a pure money play that's for like my stock and stuff like that that i do how long did that last um that lasted about Six months, five, six months of doing that made pretty good change. While still, while still selling yes, weed, all now, the let me whole ask you time. If Sacramento was uh, a gold mine to for weed, right? Mm-hmm. For years, and it's something mm-hmm. I didn't even know. That's what I love about podcasting. Like right. you're putting me on, right? And probably may, some people may know the audience, some people may not know. Right. When you think that everyone out there is trying to sell weed, what made you special to sell weed in Sacramento? Mm, I'm popular. Mm. I know everybody. Mm. People fuck with me. They like me. I'm a, um, not bragging, but I'm a personable person. Sure, sure. I get people, it. People, we make friends it. quick. Like, um, I'm friends with 99% of the people I started friends with. Sure. We don't have, unless it's business that fucks shit up, then we're still cool. You know what I mean? Like, uh, so I knew a lot of people. I was a middleman my whole life. Mm. I just didn't, in LA, which we'll talk about later, I learned that was a producer. Mm. Um, but, in my life, I've always been the guy who knows the guy who needs it and knows the guy sure. who wants it. Like Whether it's a mechanic, a roof, or mm. some pot. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, I, I knew people. So I, I was always putting people together. But at that time, you don't know. You're not confident in your place when you're just a middleman as a drug dealer. Because it's usually a guy with money and a guy with the product. Sure. And sure. you're the guy in the middle. Like, you don't have it. So you get your little piece. and But... No, I learned later that there's a rightful place for you. Yeah. Um, so then I thrived after that. But yes, I was, I was, uh, I had the club. It was, I didn't want to do that. Um, I just got married. Me and my wife went to Maui, got married at this time, um, stayed there two weeks. I came home on some real, fuck am I doing shit? Like, I need to find what I'm going to do. Um, I could hustle weed. But why were you worried about that? You just you... because I hadn't gone to jail yet, mm. and all my niggas had been to jail, mm. like for something. And pot is cool because they don't 
necessarily investigate you and and like fed follow you, you yeah, with yeah, for yeah. pot. You had a broken tail light and you had five pounds in the back. Yeah. You got pulled over and you yeah. went to jail. Had to do a year or back in back at this time. Um, now that's a fucking ticket. A misdemeanor ticket Who the that they fuck write would you. ever thought, right? <laughs> exactly. Um, so again, so 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 you so come yes. home and 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 could you believe it? Like, Mr. Jamie Jones is actually thinking like, what the fuck am I doing? Yeah. Like, how much longer could I do this? My streak ain't gonna last that long. Yeah. Like, and I'm doing well and making it's money. Like, what what is it? I gotta be and I want to be creative. Uh, my brother's a pro football player. I'm seeing him thrive at everything he's ever tried. So I got a person that's in my house that I'm watching accomplish every goal he ever. He was English major, graduated Davis, UC Davis, did first ever black quarterback they ever had in school. I'm watching accomplishments in my house. Um, and I'm a street nigga watching him sure, thinking I can sure. do anything in my realm. He's square in his in his walk of life. Um, I'm more street in mine. I can still accomplish what I want. I'm sure. still, so I had that in mind. What is it going to be? And I just thought I'm funny, um, and I want to try stand-up comedy. Um, <laughs> that's a literally as organic as it was, is I want to try stand-up comedy. And so I went to, um, I took a trip. Me and my old lady took a trip down to L.A. Um, for a weekend just to watch stand-up comics. I hadn't even been to a comedy club yet. Um, and it's a Tuesday night in LA and I go to this comedy store on sunset and Joe Rogan is on stage. Um, Joe Rogan is bombing this night. Mm. Not necessarily bombing, but not funny this night. And at the time, I don't know what working on new material is on off night. I think people paid to come. He's supposed to be funny. But no, he comes to the club every night, works out new material, shit hit or miss, to build the hour. I don't know any of this. I'm seeing him be very mediocre. And I'm like, I can be mediocre like that. They're giving him money to be mediocre like this. I could do this. I fucking got inspired by him doing that. And I went to my hotel, started writing jokes and shit. And I was, I was lit. I was like, nigga, I'm a comedian. Nothing you're going to tell me. I called my (laughs) brother in Canada from a hotel in Hollywood and paid $200 for a phone call. Cause I'm so pumped up that I just need to talk to him. And I'm moving here. 45 days later, I lived in LA. Um, I lied. I got an apartment. I saved a certain amount of bread that, um, a decent amount of bread. I don't want to say too many numbers, but I saved a decent amount of bread. So I remember and you telling me you took a stack of bread. I took a stack of bread. Which, which is money for, yes. for, for, for some who may not know. Mm-hmm. And just got just fucking And left. me and my wife drove to L.A. and found an apartment. Like, we went, took a trip to go find an apartment in L.A. For you to um, become to, a for stand-up us, To me, become a stand-up What the comedian. fuck are you? And she works at Wells Fargo, where we met, the only one of the two jobs I ever had. Um, one of my niggas since kindergarten got me a job at Wells Fargo. I met my wife there. Um, 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 she was with it. Like, fuck it, let's go. It's like, you're funny, I believe in you. Like, let's go. She really was the ultimate, like... I'm paying her back now because I've won for her. Sure, I'm winning sure, for sure, her. Sure. She invested but in you. She believed she, in you. And she carried the weight for a lot of years in L.A. Sure. when we got Respect there. That. Like, um, um, yeah, shout out to wifey. But she packed it up with me and said, let's go. Let's go. I'll see the world. We're both the youngest in our family. Like, fuck it. Let's, let's, 
it's about us. So we moved. So you stopped. Um, so you stopped selling weed. And a day, the day before I left, I sold weed. Okay. The day before I packed, while we were packing up, I was selling off the last of my weed. So literally right before we left, I sold out of the weed. I had some money and we went and packed it up and I found an apartment. I lied to, I told a guy I had a job that was starting in a few weeks, but I don't have any, I don't have a job right sure, now. Sure. And he just liked me after talking to me for a half hour and said, if you go get a deposit right now, you go get a check right now, I'll let you, you can have this apartment so ran over to wells fargo got a shit and it was like baby we live in it's all-star weekend 2003 in la or 2004 whichever that february it was the friday of all-star weekend alan iverson was having a party downtown i drove my wife home to sack five hours picked up my nigga and drove back to la because i have an apartment and we did the all-star weekend shit in la that weekend mm. um and then i drove back on sunday Packed the U-Haul and drove to L.A. Now we live in L.A. <laughs> I you know don't what? know nobody, money. <laughs> you, you, you know what? On that note, uh, man, it, it's funny. The journey is spinning. <laughs> you all of a sudden, uh, you know, pick up and, and, and on your uh, stand-up comedian journey. You know what? Let's take a quick break. Sitting here with uh, cannabis guru, mm. uh, risk taker, mm. entrepreneur, mm. producer, director, a uh, regular dude like me and you who just never gave up, mm. uh, Jamie Jones. Internet, don't go nowhere. Be right back. Cheer. Hey, this is Josh Kesselman, the founder of Raw Rolling Papers, and you are listening to the one and only badass motherfucking Premium Pete Show. Cheer. <laughs> Internet and we're back sitting here with the one and only Jamie Jones. Yo, I love the journey, man. It's fucking. It's like it's like this uh, this weed um, mm-hmm. superhero. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Story. So listen, you pick up with your wifey who yeah. believed in you. Shout to her for God believing in you when you probably didn't fully believe in yourself. Damn right. Um, all of a sudden, you go from being like this humongous uh, Sacramento weed dealer mm-hmm. to a fucking stand-up comedian. To now a nobody in L.A. and a stand-up comedian. What was your name I'm just was... a buyer. I'm a buyer of pot yeah, for I know, the first but time how, how in a lot of feel? years. I'm, I'm in L.A. and I, uh, yeah, like I literally, we have a, like I took the the U-Haul truck back after I unloaded the car and. And we walk in the house and we're like, we fucking live here. Mm. Like, we're looking at Sacramento News and Review. I mean, the LA News and Review, just seeing, doing tourist shit, watching my money dwindle. Um, but yeah, it was like. But, but how did you get stand up work? Like, you just went to like, uh, what were they My very open first calls? step, um, um, LA City College was right down the street from where I fucking, uh, where I moved to. Okay. Um, Hollywood and Vermont, Los Feliz is where I stayed for anybody who knows LA. Um, they had a stand up comedy kind of workshop class where. In my head, I need to go learn the lingo and learn the words of this thing, and then I can start figuring it out. But I need to know how they talk about it, how they formulate a joke. I need to figure out, because I'm too green. I'm green as a pool table and twice as square. Like, it's in that realm. So it's like... uh, I I take this class and this teacher, a woman, I forget her name, shout out to her. She was dope because she wasn't trying to teach you how to tell jokes. She was trying to teach you how to be yourself and how to formulate what you're already doing into whatchamacallit, what helps me. Um, so you do this class for four weeks and it culminates in a stand-up show of all the people. Um, it culminates in a stand-up show. 
that fucking we go on. So we work on this material for four weeks, and then we go do a show at the Ice House in Pasadena. There's a hundred people there, uh, and it's the very first time I'm ever getting on stage. It was, Were uh, you nervous? I was fucking stupid nervous. Okay. I smoked. Hell of weed. Yeah. But I was so prepared. I was so going over my material so damn and much. And how long did you have? Um, Five minutes? I had 13 minutes. 13 minutes? For my first ever time. Because it was through this class. Okay, okay. And they, at the end of the class, they have this show. So you go to this show, and it's packed with all the friends and family of the class. and So it's 100 and some people in a small room. And But the cool part is they want to laugh. They want to come support. Um, I went on stage, and I killed what were you talking I fucking about? Distra- I talked about selling weed. What do you think I talked about, Pete? <laughs> I told stories of selling weed. That's all I had. Like, um, was like my homeboy Bubba. Shout out to Bub Love. Bub was almost thirty. Um, asking me to front him weed because he had birthday money coming on Friday, and he's thirty years old. Talking about grandma's invite. So I'm telling these stories on stage of of. Crazy real, real life dealing, shit. Real, real life shit. And it's killing. People are laughing. And it's my first time ever getting on stage. So, of course, I had the bug. It's like, nigga, I'm a natural. I'm, I'm fucking I'm Bernie Mac right now. On my very first time, nigga, I'm lit. Like, that's how I thought going home. Smoking joints in my car, talking shit to my wife. Like, nigga, I'm the best comic. I'm a funny motherfucker. You know, I'm Eddie Murphy and them twice. So you started doing stand-up. Uh, yes. Three, four, five, yes. five times a, uh, a week? So I go back. Were you getting money yet? No. No. Fuck no. Fuck so no. So go ahead. You go back. Second time is a week later because now this class is over and everybody's out on their own. You learned what you're going to learn through this four weeks. We did this class. You got on stage. No, you're just out here and there's no team couple of people i was in class with we start going out signing up for time at different places um we go to this place uh called o'brien's in venice Be- venice beach california um right on main street um irish pub had a room in the back doing comedy on tuesday nights we can go sign up they got a full room i go in there i'm a natural i'm jones i'm lit now like you can't tell me shit sure. i didn't prepare I just got in like, I know what I'm doing. I get on stage, dog, and the first joke bombs. Like, not even a peep. When I tell you these lights got bright and the beads of sweat on my head, they got thick as shit. Like, I immediately, the two weeks of Cool Jones that had been living in this shit, in this glory, was completely stripped down to a baby. And, like, I didn't ever want to get on stage again. And I knew it while I was in the second minute, while I was in the second joke. I'm like, oh. uh, How did you you uh, not fall into that trap? How did you? How did you? Uh, how did you recover? Uh, I almost did from beat. the quietness. Okay. <laughs> did nigga, you? Did I you almost recover? Didn't. No, I did, and I and I got fanatical with it after I did. But it probably took me almost three weeks to get back on stage after that bombing. I felt it really hard. Like I'm questioning moving here. Like, did I make the right call? Like, nigga, uh, one bad thing, and I'm like immediately. Isn't it? it did I fuck up everything in my? You know, like, isn't it crazy how we're our toughest critic? Yes. 
So you get back, you get back on there, and I you get back on, and I start doing okay. My, I wasn't as good as the fucking first time, and I wasn't as bad as the second time. So I just had to kind of figure that out, see what both sides were like, and then build from there. You, you, then you, I got more fanatical. Go ahead. No, no, you did stand up for like five years. I did. Did you ever get to a point where you were making money from doing? Yes, it? How but much? only like fifty dollars or a hundred dollars a set. I wasn't making real money, but that's what you make in the city. Sure, sure. So if a guy's running around. Caroline's even Jim Norton goes to a comedy cellar on a Thursday. His city spots is $25, dollars $45 for city spots. It's when you're headlining, you go get $2,500 a weekend sure, sure. to go headline uh, places. Guys make 10000 a month in four weeks sure. or whatever, make a decent living for itself. Um, you did that for five years. Yes. Then you decided, go ahead. But in my, the first year I started, first year I moved to LA after uh, a few months after starting stand up, one of my homeboys, Reggie, shout out to Reggie Malachi. Um, Reggie is a guy who come to SAC. He lived in LA. He would come to SAC and buy weed from me through a friend that was my friend. Sure. So every three three months, I would see him for years. Every three months, we'd smoke, I'd sell him some weed. Um, so when I moved to L.A., he's kind of like a friend. I know him every three months. So I call him, I start buying weed from his friends in L.A. and things like that. He's an art department guy on commercials, meaning he's building sets, um, 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 building walls and desks, bringing in desks to fill up a bedroom. He's the art set dresser. On a on a set, he gives me a job. He's paying two fifty, three hundred a day, good money. Nice um, on commercials. Um, first ad's a Subaru ad. Um, he gets me a job. They really just needed bodies because they had a lot of equipment coming in, needed guys to unload trucks. So that was the way I got in because I didn't have any experience in it. And I just, people liked me on set, so they kept giving me days um, for the next commercials that come out. Met my future partners um, on that very first day on set, met who I eventually opened a production company with later. But I met them guys. So I kind of got exposed to the production world sure. of, of commercials and building behind the camera. Um, I thought I was passionate about in front of the camera. Then I got exposed to behind the camera. So during the day, I'm working on commercials, Super Bowl ads and Pepsi commercials and Doritos, Black Eyed Peas and Beyonce music videos and um, Jay-Z and every, you name them. Are you still doing comedy on the side? Yes, and okay. at night I'm getting on stage mm. in different places around town. And in, and in every other gap uh, of that day smoking the fucking I'm weed. I'm smoking a lot of weed. So the best weed on earth too. So take us through so so it's amazing. <laughs> I feel like you've been involved in so many things. So so you're doing comedy. Yes, sir. When do you give up on and I don't want to say give up, but when do you feel like um, or why did you feel like, yo, I, I'm, were, do, I'm done with this comedy? There were shit. a few reasons. Um a part of it I didn't like a comedian's life. Why? What do you mean by there are that? They're 300. A successful comedy comedian does 250 to 300 days on the road a year, and they do it alone. Um, I have a wife at home. Like, so that is going to be a thing for me. Like, you know what I mean? To be gone that we don't even have kids, but that's going to be a thing. Like, um, there's a lot of insecurities of being a comic. There's a lot of rejection. What do you and mean by that when you say there's a lot of insecurities of being a comic? Well, comedians are one-man teams. So they're friends with other comics, but each one's their competitor. 
they're all fighting for the same gigs. So a lot of their friendships are paper thin, like, because it's, and... It means, like, very competitive business? Very competitive, to the point of caddy. Like, he's in the spot I should have. There's a lot of that in the comic world. Um, I had to fall back from a lot of comedians. I had a few comedians who were my friends who were real niggas, like didn't care about other men's success, weren't offended by other men's success. Um, and then, But I listened to a lot of guys who were the other way, like, bro, he's not that good. But then he walks up and he's like, bro, what's up, fam? My nigga, like, you know what I mean? And that part wasn't like cool so there was things about comedy that were turning out the pure art of it i love i still write jokes to this day so it's not the art of it that i was i was drawn off it was more of a um i didn't like a comedian's life just the negative things that i was seeing also mixed with i fucking love my day job mm. i love this production you didn't shit. feel the I same i didn't know about that you didn't feel the same type of funny style shit in the production though mm. because i feel like yes. every business has what you're talking about yes. whereas you know the music industry is phony mm-hmm. the 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 film uh, right. industry i mean even the drug game is right. like you know what's up my man how you doing yeah you know right but you know it's like jay-z always says i'll show you how to move in a room full of vultures Goddamn right. i feel like that's every industry but mm-hmm. okay so but in production, it's different because we're all one team to start. We got a common goal here. So there's departments that come together like butt cheeks to get to a common goal. <laughs> like butt cheeks, like, I like that. Um, comedians are all their own islands sure. at all times. Sure. Own entities, own with, businesses. A lot of them with no cool uncle voice of reason who stops that contempt that breeds in their head if you got a real nigga with you who could stop that and say bruh you're you're good have faith in yours but when you don't have it you see it on social media all the time when guys who are your friends but then they have two wines at night and get on their shit and say some wild racist shit or like bruh i thought you was cool like but this is how you really it's it's hard for them to filter it. Comedians on set, they talk wild. So what I had to get used to on set talk was guys calling bitches and motherfuckers and and producers and department heads talking to each other really mean and not punching each other in the face. Mm, I get it. Because I come from a place where the talking stops when we get too far sure, with sure, it. Sure, like, sure. So now you've gone too far. Yeah, yeah but these guys are going... Your mom's a bit. Tom, you're a god. No one's hitting nobody. Okay, this is how this city gets down. You don't. I have to learn that. Sure, okay, sure. violence ain't what comes when people talk wild. So, teach me the rules of the game. I'll play it well. So I had to see how that. But that was the thing I had to kind of come to grips with. But the work, building a project. Um, I come from SAC, so I think um, we, like I was saying before, we don't have industry. If you do something artistic, you do it yourself. You're not looking for a label or uh, someone to call you up because there is no one to come hire you or give you some money to do something. There's a drug dealer that'll fund your shit. Sure, sure, like all labels are, you know, drug dealer funded record labels. Sure. My nigga's dope. I put 20 grand into him. His album's out. He's living he in our sell, city. Put him in a fucking <laughs> trunk, drop him off 
exactly. from the, the desert and sack. Exactly. Or he's back on the corner selling yeah. more yeah. fucking weed or coke Either or you whatever. have a wicked hoop shot, you know, exactly. a jump shot, or, or, or um, you're selling crack rock. Listen, so you, you, you finally move away from comedy. Yep. I'm loving this set shit. You're loving the set I'm shit. I'm loving this, these projects. I'm when loving, did it come um, to the part? But I'm like, I want to do it myself. So I'm walking on. I'm not a good employee. Mm. Because um, it's hard to care about your shit. Like, um, I work 20 hours a day on my shit. Um, it's hard for me to care about your shit. So I'm walking around on set commercials. My nigga Spang knows I, I probably worked the least of everybody, of all of our friends who worked on set. But I'm walking around on set wondering, how can I do this myself? We have a Pepsi commercial with 100 people on, 100 crewmen on set. Um, but if I only had two of those guys in Grip and Electric and I had one guy from, um, from fucking Crafty and I had one guy from, who's a gaffer, I could do a video myself. I could do a music video. I could do a commercial myself. I don't need this big thing. So that's what I'm, that's my mindset as I'm walking on set, being the lowest guy on the totem pole on these million dollar sets, but I'm steadily like, how can I do this myself? So my homeboy Langston, shout out to Langston, my nigga L in L.A. He stole a camera from abroad. He like uh, did that old school shit where one dude's banging abroad and someone else is going through her parents' house type shit. He stole a really nice camera, $3,000 Sony camera. Um, and he calls me and like, bruh, I, I got this camera from this broad yesterday. It's like dude's on his way over to come get it for 500 bucks. I was like, nigga, I'll beat him there. So I ran there and I bought this camera, Sony HD, when everybody's shooting on film and digital was just starting to get popping, 07, 06, 07, 08. I got this $3,000 digital camera now. Um, so I would take it to, to a Pepsi commercial set and go to a 20-year cameraman and I would hand it to him and say, bruh, teach me something I didn't know about this thing. Like, and every job, a different guy would say, bro, your camera's pretty tight. Like, here's white balance. Here's how you get all that noise out, you know, that, you know, and start showing me shit. And then I was just soaking up game from them and taking underlings off their set and bringing them to my set to do a job higher than what they're getting paid to do on this set. So if you're assistant on here, you could be a main guy on my set. I don't have much money for you because I'm not bringing in money for gigs. So once I decided that I'm going to do that, after five years, six years of working probably 200 plus commercials and music videos for other people, I started my own company off that camera. Um... And with two partners who were directors, I was a producer. I can bring in projects. I can write treatments. I can hire crews. I can I can uh, budget a job. I can find locations. I can do all this stuff. Um, I got director, my partner, Mikey Gratz and Mikey P. We're way better at getting a beautiful shot. Um, so they, we started fucking rocking, doing videos in L.A. Like... Um, and some of these guys, you know, these guys were Dom Kennedy, Kendrick was running around doing club shows. Sure, sure. They were all on a scene of bubbling L.A. artists at the time. El Prez, Diz Gabron, Hope, Focus. There's a, there's a whole crew of guys that were bubbling around that time. Kendrick just came up out of it and skyrocketed. He was the one. Um, but then Dom Kennedy was right behind him at the time and these guys, so I'm making videos for these guys for almost no money, but I'm getting some run. Like I'm, I'm, I'm getting, I'm starting to get known through sure. the city. Getting your name out there. I'm getting my name out there. I'm actually taking their money and putting my own money 
into the commercial, into the video. Like they'd have a thousand dollars or eight hundred dollars, I'd put an extra four hundred, because my idea was I want to sell this for two grand to the next person. So we had a plan of doing fifteen videos first, not making any money on them, but make each one look more expensive than the next, so that when we did get to a point where we we're selling them at a decent number, we could actually make some money. So we did that, um, and ended up doing thirty. 32 music videos or something in two years, nine commercials, a um, couple like we were doing a lot of event covering, blog, making th- two minute blog sure, videos sure. for your record opening party and take two cameras and go shoot that shit, get some interviews from people at the party. And we're, this 08, 09 running around doing this shit. Like, um, um, so it was like, it was, it was, it was, it was dope. And I just, I love that. So that kind of made me shine away from stand-up where like i don't necessarily need that um i'm not too much into fame like that anyway i don't i want the work like i i like to do cool shit i don't i don't need people knowing sure. my name like that like when did you get to a point where uh and this is a story that I, I i was really inspired by when i heard about you um you wind up doing um a film yes with uh, uh um <coughs> pro- Probably not as uh, popular as now, mm-hmm. um, or not as big. Very much so unknown. Uh, uh, unknown Tiffany Haddish. True. And, so. and 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 one thing I love about this story is that you you did a film, mm-hmm. and and I think that uh, because maybe she wasn't that popular, mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe some outlets were like not trying to put up a lot of bread for it, mm-hmm. and instead of dealing with it, you held on to it. Until they came correct, niggas made me look like a genius and shit. No, no, but, I wasn't, yeah. but it, it and they came like correct. It. it was kind of fresh. Okay, um, yes. Yeah, so, Pete, I can fill you in real fast. I'm doing those videos that I'm just telling you guys about. Videos budgets are shrinking um, every day by day as more albums are being stole or streamed. Video budgets are shrinking. So what? I could get for 20 grand from a record label. Now they're only giving eight or seven or something. So I'm making $900 at the end of a video that I'm trying to make money on. So it wasn't, it was kind of chasing pennies. I said to myself, I want, I said to my partner, actually, uh, Mikey Gratz, we should make a movie. We should make stuff that we could set, we could own, but we came from commercials and music video world. So we never really came from movie world. So, but I'm like, let's make a movie. Like we could own that. And then, sell it there's netflix there's all these avenues a lot of avenues that they're buying there's more avenues for content nowadays content's kind of king right now so we can make something and own it and make the money later and we're not chasing these pennies so we shifted our goal and um shout to my nigga black marv who's one of my partners in the movie a producer in sag marvin adams um he had this script um it was cool it was set over a dinner party which made it uh, most of the movie at one location. So in a logistics thing standpoint, it's not hard to shoot it. I don't have to go all over. I don't need 60 locations. I need four or five, really, for this whole damn thing. Because it's set around this dinner party. So um, I liked it, and it was funny as shit. The script was just, I was reading it laughing. So I'm like, um, all right, let's do this. I called it unromantic comedy. Um about a couple, the movie, um, who were, they've been together three years, she's pregnant eight weeks, and they're having a dinner party to tell her friends and family that she's have, they're having a baby. 
Through all this dinner party, you find out all these different things and it fucks up the whole, you know, and there's sure. twists and turns. Um, but I have the script. Um, so I made a call back home to one of my successful friends um, um, and said, we can make a movie, bro. I don't need much money. I'm out here. They see me running. I'm active on my social sure, media. Busy. I'm active on my social media. So all Sacramento, where I'm from, who's seen me running in L.A. Sure, making moves. I'm a small town guy, so they already think I'm doing well just making videos and things like that. So my mans get jump in. Happy New Year, my nigga. Like, what y'all doing out there? I'm like, I'm making a movie. I'm about to make a movie. Um, if you want to be down, hit me. Like, what's up? Let's do it. Um... So I flew up to SAC the next day and had a 15-minute conversation with one of my homeboys, and he hands me a bag of cash. said, let's make a movie. I'm like, word. <laughs> First cat I asked. Like, I had five list of five cats. Uh, mind you, my credit report on the street is good. In white man's office, it's not. But if I, I can go to my block and get whatever I need because I'm a solid guy and I don't do anybody wrong. I do good business. I'm known as a guy who does good business. Sure. So I can get what I need on the street. Just I'm I'm working on the other side because now I need properties and shit for cannabis businesses and I need my credit better. So the last year I've been just doing that. But anyway, so I fucking, um, I'm, um, um, um. I go back, tell my team, bro, we're making a movie. Like, he's this percentage, we're this percentage, we're doing it. Like, let's get it done. So we start out. I Brian Hooks uh, was a friend of my man Marv's. Uh, they've known him for a while. Brian Hooks has 32 movies on IMDb for way back from Three Strikes in the 90s when he was um, to Fool's Gold to some of the big movies he's done. He's got a, a wide range. Sure. Brian Hooks came on and said, I'll do it. And the number we threw at him, he was like, I'll do it. Like, I was like, word? <laughs> word? So I had an idea of what I thought we could get for the money. It was wrong. I, we could do better. So I had to go back to my money guy and be like, bruh, I can get a better cast with a little more bread. He's like, bet, let's do it. So I got more bread and I got Brian Hooks. Um, once I got Hooks, everybody else said yes. So once he was attached, they saw it was a real movie happening. Sure. So now I'm not just a talker. I got Brian Hooks attached to it. Okay, let's go. Um, so Jay Phillips was a stand-up comedian from D.C., longtime comedian, been in uh, Will Ferrell movies, uh, um, was in the Hoop movie with Will Ferrell. Um, yeah, the Tropics. He with Andre 3000 and them. He was in that. He was one of the guys on the team, Jay Phillips. Very funny comedian. Shout out to him. My man Esau McGraw is another comedian who I came up with in L.A. He was kind of big in L.A. area and done some movies out of while and done some stuff. So I called them. The guys were my friends. I can call them. Come be in this movie. Um, I think Jay... Jay Phillips said, I got a homegirl. I read that script. I got a homegirl I think be good for a role. Her name's Tiffany. Um, you should check her out. So I go the next day uh, to the comedy store. The next night, she was a stand-up comedian, um, hustling on the scene, not, making, not known. Um, and I saw her on stage, and she was the truth. I'm not saying I knew she was everything, but she was the truth. I immediately knew Jay was right. Yes. So I talked to her that night. 
Like, I had hardly no money. I'll tell you off air how much it was, and you're going to laugh because she did it for almost, she did it for nil. Um, so I gave, uh, now I got a cast and I got a team, and we're going to go make a movie. Now I'm fucking Jones, the movie producer, not the video producer, and I'm wearing this hat. So for six months, we pre production and we're building, we shoot the whole movie in eight days. Um, um, mitten, uh, graveyard shoots every night during 14, 16 hour days. Got a 20 man crew on set. It's working fucking every department. It's, it's lit. We're doing good. Um, we shoot it without a, a hitch. And now we're saying this movie's going to come out, uh, four months when I rap shooting, when I rap shooting, it's going to take me three months to edit and all that shit. Took me two years mm-hmm. to get it done. Fucking, I ran into every problem. I ran out of money a few times, ran out of my own money, so I couldn't even fund it myself at some points. It was because I wasn't doing music videos anymore because I jumped in movie lane because now I'm just going to do movies. So I kind of hung myself out to dry a little bit and stretched myself out. I'm going back, I'm selling off my own percentages and some of them to to, uh, get more money to get this thing done at some points. So it was a... a, um, But... After about a year and a half after that, we got it done. And we got it to a place where we could shop it now. Um, so we shop it and get get to the what you were asking about. We shop this movie. Um, they're telling me my cast isn't that strong. They want to give me the first time movie deal, um, which is basically run it through the system and we'll pay you on the back end of what it earns. Um, but we're not going to give you nothing up front. Um, because I'm coming with a finished product. It's not like a studio greenlit me sure, and sure. gave me money to go make a sure. movie. I'm coming with a done you, thing. You, you did it yourself. And they're trying to, uh, well, I don't have to give you that much. Like, you know, they're in the position of power here. And I understand that. Um, But it's my friends from my neighborhood who gave me the money. I got to fight for them. Like, I need to get their money back at least. So because so, so because they came with a, a fugazi offer, so to speak. Yes. And you sat on it. I told them, I told them to fuck off. When they did, I, uh, one guy literally said that. Um, but were your friends, were your friends mad at you? Like, meaning like, were they like, um, were they like, yo, we kind of want to make some of my money back. They were mad at me because I wasn't getting it done to Quick make or, or took, the okay. money back. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So they saw the situation I was in, but it wasn't what I sold it in the very beginning. It was, of course, it's a lot harder than I could make a movie, bro, and I could sell it. We had that simple of a conversation, and a nigga hands me a bag. We didn't do contracts or nothing for sure, six sure, months later. Street shit. You know what I'm but saying? How, long, how long did you hold it? Until About, they finally came correct. So then they said, they said, I told them, fuck off. We're not doing that. They said, okay, see you later. Um, I held it for fucking right at the time I told them, fuck off. And the announcement of Girls Trip is happening. The announcement of Tiffany Haddish is going to be in this movie coming up called Girls Trip. Um, then it comes up in six months or something like that. Um, now Tiffany, somebody. Um, so I'm holding this movie, knowing now I'm calling my money, getting my friends and stuff. Like, bro, we gotta hold this. Like, let's not call them back yet. She's bubbling. 
she's not sure, at what sure. she's going to be yet. Let's give it a little. So we waited five, six more months um, of her. And then fucking uh, Saturday Night Live, first black female comedian sure, ever sure. host Saturday Night Live comes up. Um, movie awards. There's multiple movies in the works coming. She has a, a docket of movies coming out over the next two years. Her stock's rising. Send it out, bro. I hit my man Mark. Send it out, bro. Like, uh, he shoots out all the people. Hey, we're still out here. We got that Tiffany. Oh, you guys do. Because when we sent it first time, it wasn't even a Tiffany Haddish movie. It was a Brian Hooks movie. Yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's how we were selling. That's why we were hoping to sell it as a Brian Hooks movie. Now it's like, yo, we got this Tiffany Haddish movie still. Like, Oh, you do, don't you? And so now they came back. Like, they, yes. Like, let us, can can we put eyes on that again? Um, so I send the private links and fucking, they, yeah, we, 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 um, I think there's something to be done here. And now they're talking different. Now they're cheerful and optimistic, not just kind of demanding what I'm going to take and what they're going to give me and what anybody's going to give me because they were almost talking to me like I'm a kid, you know what I mean? But now, a little more respect. I don't have a good deal. I'm not sitting here like I won. I don't have a good, great deal but, but now. But they came back but to you But they came correct. back better. They exactly. came back to you correct. Enough for you to take it. Respectfully. And I take it as a first-time deal. This is what I can stand. Mm. Um, and now this movie is coming out. And now the we have a movie. movie called All Between Us, starring Brian Hooks, Denise Lawton, Tiffany Haddish, Esau McGraw, uh, Jay Phillips, um, and a host of Christian Levitino, a whole host of the um, guys. The guys, a really good cast. It's a really, really funny movie. It'll be on Hulu. It'll be on Amazon live streaming. Um, it'll be everywhere streaming, but Netflix for the first quarter, and then hopefully We'll have Netflix the second quarter, um, but it'll also be at Walmart, uh, Target, Best Buy, mm, and it's available it. for pre-order talk right now it. on all of those. So uh, and you yeah, and, yeah, and you know yeah, what yeah. and you know what Jamie yeah. you never gave up. I didn't. You could have gave up. And are, are the people who gave you the money okay? I don't want right. to find you missing, bro. Nah, are they, are they nah, okay with Gucci. this? Shit? No, okay. we're good now. So listen, as we wind this episode down, um, a couple of things for you. Um, who's your favorite weed rapper? You know what I mean? Like, you know, Snoop or Be mm-hmm. Real or who? Devin the Dude. Okay, yeah. That's a homie, Devin the Dude. Devin the Dude. Shout out to Devin the Dude, man. The most skilled weed rapper. Oh, yes, We he got is. one in the Bay Area called Burner, who I love. Oh, yeah, Burner. Shout Burner to... owns the city. My, um, my guy Steve LaBelle was always uh, talking about him. Yeah, he made that great album with Scott Storch. Yep. Um, Big Pescadero. Shout out to Burner. He's... Um, he is the biggest entity in weed for us. He's Wiz Khalifa signed him because he owns. He's bigger than. Sure. He's as big as Wiz, not sure. bigger. And, he, and he's and, as big as and Wiz. And he's an entrepreneur. He owns Girl Scout cookies, the strain of weed. So if you smoke Girl Scout cookies, that originated from Burner and his crew of people. They got biscotti and a bunch of other. I'm I'm running in his lane now. Mm. Like I'm I'm maneuvering because he's a farmer and he he brands these cannabis strains really really yeah, well. No, I fuck and with I'm it. working on the same thing. I fuck with it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do a quick rapid fire, okay? I like it. Blunts or papers? 
Um, Fronto right now. I'm on the okay, Fronto okay, leaf blunt. It's like a backwood, but okay. no preservatives. Sativa or indica? Sativa during the day because I work. I'm a grown-ass man. But after 6 p.m., throw that OG my okay, way. Okay. And let's talk about but it, that Jamie. sour diesel is a sativa. Good daytime. New York love sour. Um, um, but a good OG cushion tonight to finish my day off is right. Top three strands. Um... Sacramento, what we say is cookies are better. Everything above that starts being exotic, meaning biscottis and sherbets and gelatos and all of these are awesome. I got most of them in my backpack as we speak, and I can show you. Allegedly. Thin Mount Girl Scout cookies. Yeah, true that, allegedly. I don't have anything. Which, which, state, <laughs> in which state or country has the best uh, weed? Come on. Oh, oh. Not, not involved in California? No, no. Which state or country has the best weed, you would say? California. I mean, okay. uh, California is first, second, and third. Okay. What, what, what do you think has the worst weed, then? Ooh, ooh, like Tuscaloosa, Alabama or mm, something. Mm. Them niggas are smoking some, some dirt, trash. Some dirt shit. Now, um, now, now, which state is uh, underrated um, in uh, weed? Seattle got good culture. Washington, Oregon is very underrated as far as tree. Um, they have their legalization in place. They're growing a lot of good weed. They rain a lot, so they don't grow it necessarily as good as ours, but yes. You know, you know, I, I don't know what the fuck he's talking about, but uh, <laughs> my producer, Isaiah, and uh, my videographer, uh, Benson, a Premium Pichot team members. I love it. Uh, they they want to know what's the 3.5 go for in sack? 3.5. What an eighth goes for in sack. I love they it. They could have just said eighth. Uh, Come on, man. Uh, what are you me 3.5? 3.5. Yeah, you're damn right. I get it. Um, um, an eighth goes on... On the streets, it's $25. Like, okay. in the dispensary and the delivery service, it's usually $35. Like, through a dis- delivery service. Look. When the dispensaries first opened in L.A., um, when it first started, the high-end shit was $100 a eighth. Then it... Then th- a thousand stores open and they fought each other and it capped off at $35 after a while with 20 different top shelves. But yeah. Look, um, let me tell you something. But I'm better with a pound number than an eighth. Jamie, your, your, <laughs> let me tell you something. Your, your episode, uh, your journey is inspiring. Okay. Well, first of all, you never gave up from comedy. You, you wanted to see a better world than fucking getting locked up or you like, oh, you know what? I'm selling weed. I'm making money, but this may not have no future in it. True. You, you went into production of film. Go ahead. And if I could make one point, I didn't, um, everything I thought was a failure that I've come up doing, things that I didn't get accomplished or goals that I, I still use today in the business I'm doing. Every one of them was a lesson, which is kind of what you preach, which is why I was very happy to come on your show. Every single thing that I thought was a failure, I'm using to be successful now. Mm. So it's like, whether it was me rapping in the 80s, I know a studio now that I know how to work a studio now that I podcast from years I spent in studios. Stand-up comedy helps me perform on my podcast when and sure. work, talk to people and be personable. And like production, every single thing, all the things I thought were wrong um turned out to be dope and like i forced gumped into a, a great life i like that listen how <laughs> let me as we wind down this episode because we got a uh true a show coming in I after us. no no of course but as we wind down this episode i do want another fucking legendary thing you step into you step in shit bro mm-hmm. and, and it smells but you make it you turn around you make it smell better <laughs> you know i want to say this 
weed gets legalized in California, mm-hmm. which which I'm sure you had to fucking celebrate that mm-hmm. day when you found out. I did. You then open up. You have not one, not two, not three, but four, right? Four or five. I'm, five. Yeah. You have a dispen a dispen a delivery service. I do. Jamie like, cares you, you, about you. It's like you. a car service. What is it called? Jamie cares about you. Jamie cares about you. So yeah. how the fuck did you? And and we don't need the long story, but how the fuck did you create this legit car service or Uber Eats style uh, the- of weed delivery? Um, Jamie cares about you. It was the gray area. The brick and mortars had really uh, stringent rules. Brick and mortar dispensaries needed a lot of capital to open one. Hundred plus grand to have to spend out before you could even open. Um, licensing, building, up to codes, ADA compliance, all kinds of weird shit. Delivery services weren't written into the paperwork when when our paperwork was written out so it was a gray area of being able to thrive sacramento only gave out 30 brick and mortar dispensary licenses whereas la had a thousand we're conservative we're the capital we got state capital and the governor they hold it back a little bit they only gave out 30 but when they did that it breeded 200 delivery services that popped up and all of them jump on weed maps which is how they thrive weed maps is the biggest entity in cannabis shout out to my partner sammy trujillo who i opened can accelerate that resource center i was sure, telling sure. you about he's now one of the top guys he took a job recently as one of the top guys at weed maps um weed maps does 20 30 million dollars a month mm, um mm, fuck you look at an area to buy pot Fuck you want to buy pot in a legal state, you open an app called Weed Maps and it shows you every dispensary close to you in your area. Each one of those, to be number one, is paying $1,500 to $2,000 a month to be number one. Each guy is paying one city, New York City, be broken up into six different places with all of those guys paying $1,500 a month. Every city in California has this broken up into certain places. They're making $30, 40000000 million a month doing that. Someone comes to L.A., Yes, Someone sir. comes to the West Coast. Yes, sir. How do they get your service? Um, they follow Jamie Jones at one word at all your social media so outlets. Jamie Jones. Jamie Jones, the number one W-O-R-D um, at, at all of it. And you can message me there. Jamie Jones, one word at gmail.com if you'd like to email me. I broker investments, wait, wait, which wait, we didn't even Twitter. get into. I brokered 20 $2 million worth of investments into cannabis this year, too. I found the business plans that the money invested in as well. So I facilitate that, and I'm doing a lot more of that as well. So if anybody's looking to get themselves into cannabis or um, be in the investment side of cannabis as well, um, they should hit me up. They should. On um, Twitter, you're at J A. J A M I E J O N E S. The number one. W O R D. So full right now. And that's Jamie on Instagram Jones, also. Word. That's Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat. I got a wife, so don't be sending me no nudes on Instagram, ladies, because <laughs> my wife will beat you up. Let me tell you um, something. Let me tell you something, Jamie. Honestly, uh, inspiring journey that actually has just fucking begun. Um, what, what's inspiring to me is you never gave up, right. and what's inspiring to me is your knowledge of everything, even like how much you've been a Combat Jack Show fan since day one. Right. But more importantly, even how you mentioned to me about presence over presence. Right. And, and, and I live by that mantra, Pete. Yeah. Like that's not that's Thank not even that, no man. fuck shit. That's not even sitting here on your dick pause. That's 
I I feel that shit like because it's more important, dog. Like I I started giving my shit. I was a late dad starting. I had a kid at 36, 37 when I had my first child, two and eighteen months. So I was giving them everything, Xboxes and like sure, sure. these niggas started expecting shit. Going into fucking Target, now they're throwing tantrums if I don't buy shit. No, this is not supposed to be all presents like that. It's supposed to be all presents, mm. being in each other's life, learning from each other, enjoying each other so when i heard you say that the very first time i heard you say it it fucking clicked like even just this year we took it to another level with me and my wife we've been together 18 years we've bought everything in our tax bracket for each other as presents you know what i mean like i've, I've gotten it all sure. why are we doing that anymore presents over presents baby mm-hmm. let's go see something let's spend the time together let's go so i took her on a helicopter ride around san francisco for her birthday last month as presents over pre- sure, we're so not doing presents sure. let's go let's do that let me so tell you something Jamie. i fucks with you no i fucks with you too bro <laughs> let me tell you nigga. something that's the thing creating something that people could live Right. Creating something that people could like is bigger. Like here's the thing: there's some shit that we need to tell people. Right. Like there's somebody right now listening that maybe is struggling, right. um, in in their life. Right. Maybe is Jamie in the fucking yeah, couple, in the comedy uh, shit. Maybe is Jamie in the weed shit, making money. Mm-hmm. What's your words for them right now if they're listening? Um, just do, like, <sighs> fuck, bro. Persistence gets you a lot. Like, just do. Take the first step. Like, um, don't be scared to win. Like, niggas see the beginning and the end, but they don't see the up and down road to get there. Um, You need little victories on your way to keep motivation up to get to that big goal. So make small steps Mm. of of your journey. That's kind of what I do. My goal in life ain't money. It's to laugh as much as I can. Like, but I need to be able to make enough money to live in the now where I'm not worried about what's coming on Friday. Like, I'm not worried about how my kids are eating. or So I hustle my ass off so that if this nigga trips and falls, we giggle with full enthusiasm. Like, I I just want feelings of enjoyment. So my life is simpler in that aspect. I I, I make money for my kids and my wife and they need shit and I need security and I need generational wealth, which is why every black man and every man who comes where we come from should own a cannabis business. Mm. It's how to stake your claim without buying it from the white man. And I'm using air quotes as the white man. Like, it's not you own all the real estate. Now you niggas can own property and come buy it from us. You can still stake your claim in cannabis. Budweiser's 150 years old. Fucking cannabis is five. Sure. You can still stake a, 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 a honest claim and take your market share without having to steal it from someone else, starting small. The guys who are here now, in five years, they're not going to be here. There's young niggas that's doing awesome shit and branding and marketing and connecting to the youth in better ways, whereas the guys that are on top is still a lot of turnover. So I preach, um, if you want generational wealth, if you want something to pass down to your kids, a company that's thriving, an uh, industry that's it's going to go from zero to trillion dollar business sure. overnight. And when we can export, it's going to even be crazy. When it's federally legal, it's going to be nuts. And California is primed to be in the heart because 80% of our weed leaves the state already. Let me tell you something. <laughs> Get into cannabis, they, y'all. Sorry about that. No, Pete. no. Listen, perfect, perfect ending. And I do want to say, internet, hit him up at Jamie Jones. That's J-A-M-I-E Jones 1. Okay. 1. 
O-N-E. But I will no, say this. Jamie Jones, the number one, the digit, W-O-R-D. So it's Jamie Jones, one word. Okay, one word. It's no the problem. phrase. Listen, Jamie Jones, one they'll word. They'll see me tweet it out when this My episode nigga. is dropped. But I will say this, okay? I will say this. And the reason why I wanted to have you on is the inspiration. You could have been a, a local Sacramento weed fucking dealer right. that got popped and fucking spent the rest of your fucking life in jail. And maybe when they legalized it, they would have released you and you wouldn't know what the fuck to do. And you could have been a shoe nigga when you left Combat Jack show and you didn't have a fucking vehicle anymore. And you could have went right back into shoes. You didn't quit. You started the premium P vehicle. Mm. Like, you... Said, no, I can get it like sure. my man does. I love sure. this nigga, even if I disagree and got to go start my own sure. thing. Sure. Nigga, you're inspiration. And, and you're an inspiration. That's, no, I, I mean that. With you. I mean that. Incense, listen, uh, Jamie Jones, man, cannabis guru, <laughs> fucking entrepreneur. Uh, 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 um, Threesome King Call um, at me and my old lady Fucking uh, uh, comedian <laughs> Listen Me and my wife are looking for a girlfriend right now You sick motherfucker <laughs> Jamie Jones Peace my brother My man Thank you Pete Peace Internets if you enjoyed that episode I want you to email me At thepremiumpeatshow At gmail.com Again that email is Thepremiumpeatshow At gmail.com Let me know what you thought And listen All my advertisers out there all my big businesses, my small businesses, whoever, a friend, a store, you want to advertise on the Premium Pete Show? Email me at thepremiumpeatshow at gmail.com and let's get working, okay? Make sure you subscribe, rate, leave a comment on all streaming platforms and podcasts. Tell a friend to tell a friend and we'll see you next episode. Cheers.